Life Audio. When I think about testing and the idea of God testing us, I think that really can rub us sort of the wrong way. We could be like, what is that all about? But I actually think that when God tests us, He tests us to show us what's already there. He tests us to show us the strength of our trust and faith in Him that already is present. Would we ever desire tests that cause pain or struggle? Absolutely not. But is it possible that when we do go through testing, what's actually happening is that we're getting more and more anchored in our identity with God. We're getting more and more anchored in who God actually is. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Yunus, and we are in a series called God of Our Fathers. And I've been thinking so much about this series and this idea because I will admit I am the first to want sort of instant gratification when it comes to my experience with studying the Bible. I just, I want it to connect immediately to the issues at hand, whatever that issue may be, which usually seems to be trying to help ask God to calm my fears or give me direction, discernment for the future. Maybe you are the same, and it's, it's just a sense of I'm, I want God's peace. And so sometimes it can be more difficult to go into the stuff where many questions are raised or we're not sure why it matters. And I just have been really encouraged and challenged over this series to remember that one of the best sort of places of fortitude in our faith is to have a bigger perspective. When we realize that we are a generation that is standing on the shoulders of another generation and the generations that went before them, when we actually are able to zoom out and see just the power of the faithfulness of God who has been personally intervening in the life of humans for generation after generation, and that our faith is built on a legacy that has been going on for so long, there's a sense that we can properly place our own pain, our own fear, our way of viewing the world um, really does change when we're able to zoom way out. And that's what we're doing in these few episodes. We're really zooming out and saying, What does it mean that God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Why does he name those three men? What is that about and how does that relate to our faith today? And I hope you're going to find as we went through Abraham and discovered that God really sets up this idea of covenant that we talked about last week and that that covenant is what our salvation is based upon. We're going to see that continue forward as we get into the story of Isaac. So we're going to be in Genesis 22 today, verses 11 through 14, and we're going to look at a story that is quite challenging for our modern ears. We'll do a little bit of a flyover on the story itself, but also, and maybe even more importantly, really focus in on what this story represents and what it means for our faith today. So I'm going to read our scripture, Genesis 22, verses 11 through 14. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, 
it will be provided. So that's the story. We're in the middle of the story of Abraham being tested by God, asked to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. So a little bit of what's going on behind the scenes before we get to this moment is that God has appeared to Abraham and told him to sacrifice Isaac, which again, to our ears, we're like, what? What in the world? Like, why would God do that? And we have to remember there's a very different time and a very different day. And Abraham obeys. He trusts God and he does what God has said. And he brings his son up to the top of a mountain and he moves towards sacrificing his son. And in doing so, as he begins to move toward that action, God intervenes. And God intervenes in the passage that we're reading right now. If you saw a couple of things happen, you see immediately that God calls out Abraham by his name. This is a personal interaction and that God provides He doesn't just cancel the plan. He doesn't say, okay, you're not going to sacrifice to me. He actually provides a substitute sacrifice for Abraham's greatest love object, his his only son. So this is what happens in the story that we're in. But let's talk a little bit about the backstory, because I actually think the backstory places us appropriately in Abraham's mindset in trying to understand why would God test Abraham in this way? And and why does God test us at all? What What is that about? So what's happened before in this story, if you're reading through Genesis, I just want to make sure that we kind of get the timeline right about what's happened in this story. You remember back in our, a couple of um, weeks ago, we started talking about this idea that God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to establish a covenant with you. And this covenant that I'm going to establish is going to be through your descendants, Right. And then Abraham has no kids and Sarah is barren and they don't have any children. So already God is giving a promise out and Abraham's like, how in the world is this going to happen? And then we saw last week that Abraham asked that question that he engages with God and says, I understand God, who you say you are and what you say you're going to do, but I have no children. So how is this going to happen? And that's where God gives Abraham this covenant when he says, I'm going to pass through these animals and show you that I mean what I say. And then what happens next in the story is that Sarah does, in fact, get pregnant, even though she's 100 years old. So we are seeing God faithfully, miraculously intervene in Abraham's life. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. 
Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. I think that when you've had a life where you've had a long life with a faithful God, where you've come up against a wall and you've thought there's no way out, there's no way this is going to work out, and God continues to show up again and again and again, it can rightfully place what God asks of us. And and I wonder for Abraham, everything about Isaac's life is already a miracle. Everything about what's already happened because of God is already a miracle. So I, I can't help but believe that when God says to Abraham, now I want you to sacrifice this child that I gave you, who fulfills the covenant that I promised to you, that Abraham just believed that God had another way, that God had a plan. And even though it made no sense to him in human effort and human ideas, surely God would have a plan. And many commentators say, that Abraham really did think that God was going to come through, that even as he goes and prepares to go to the mountain and he says to the folks around him, hey, we'll be back. He may have even thought that even if he killed Isaac, God would bring him back to life, that he just trusted God to move and to act in his life. And when I think about testing and the idea of God testing us, I think that really can rub us sort of the wrong way. We could be like, what is that all about? But I actually think that when God tests us, He tests us to show us what's already there. He tests us to show us the strength of our trust and faith in him that already is present. Would we ever desire tests that cause pain or struggle? Absolutely not. But is it possible that when we do go through testing, what's actually happening is that we're getting more and more anchored in our identity with God. We're getting more and more anchored in who God actually is, and that in eternity, because this earth will pass away, our lives will pass away, this is all temporary, that in eternity, something eternal is happening in us when we actually get a grip on who God is. And when God brings us to a place where we do believe that he provides, where we do believe that he is faithful, where we do see him coming through for us, even when we think the situation is impossible, because truly, That's the situation Abraham was in. It seemed impossible that God would do something else. And yet he comes all the way to this moment where he's willing to let go of his beloved son and God intervenes and God intervenes with a substitute, with a substitute sacrifice. And this is where we get into what does this mean for us? Because this is a part of a massive story, a part of the much bigger story that God is unfolding that begins with his chosen people, the Israelites. And the only way that the Israelites became the Israelites is because God made a promise to Abraham and he saw that promise through to Isaac. And we're going to see that he sees that promise through to Jacob. And through this lineage, this chosen people is created and God begins to show what it looks like to be in relationship with him through these chosen people. But we know that's not the end of the story, right? That's the story that God begins to write that is actually fulfilled in Christ. So what we see in this story and why this story really matters to our faith is we see this living example of God intervening with a substitute. He has a substitute sacrifice 
for what is actually required. He says, Abraham calls him and calls the place that this happens, the Lord will provide. And then in verse 14, he says that it is still said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And so when I think about what this means for us, it turns me to Romans 3, where we kind of already have gone in this idea of covenant. We again see God playing out this same story through Christ. And it says in Romans 3, verses 24 through 25, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So what does redemption mean? Redemption means something is bought back. Something is at a cost, is handled, is recovered, and it's done through Jesus. And it goes into verse 25. It says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. You see, Abraham was required to take his one and only son, his beloved son, to a mountain to be sacrificed. But God stayed his hand. God said, I'll provide instead. But when God sent his one and only son to the mountain to be sacrificed, he did not withhold his hand. He allowed the sacrifice to happen. He allowed Christ to be the sacrifice for our sin once and for all. The system that was ushered in through God's chosen people, the system of sacrifice, this way of allowing people to be in right standing with God so that we can be in communion with our holy God was absolutely and 100% fulfilled through the person of Jesus Christ. That just as Abraham had to bring his son for a sacrifice, God brings his son for a sacrifice on behalf of us, out of love for us. And in doing so, he provides for us the one thing we could never provide for ourselves. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y, or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So what does this mean for me? What does this mean for you today? I wrote down a couple of things that I take away from this story, just the basics that I can carry with me into the day. And the first thing I wrote is that even when all hope seems lost, God will still provide. Do you feel like you're in an impossible situation? Does it seem like there is absolutely no way out? Have you worked your plans and exhausted your plans 
and you have nothing left to give. Friend, brother, sister, if that is you today, I pray that that would bring you to your knees. And then on your knees, you would call out to God and say, God, you are a God who provides. Will you provide my daily bread today, daily provision in whatever you need emotionally, whatever you need financially, whatever you need materially, that God would provide for you? Because he says that it is the essence of his name that he is a God who provides. If things seem impossible, if hope seems lost, remember that God can still provide. The second thing I wrote down is that sometimes going backward in our story can give us the strength to face what's ahead. I wonder as Abraham made that trek to the top of the mountain with his son with him, carrying a knife, carrying wood for the sacrifice, but having no sacrifice with him. And as he walked up that mountain, I wonder if he retraced his own story, his own impossible story, where God intervened in his life and said, through your offspring, I will establish a covenant. And then actually gave him that offspring through his wife, who was barren, through and in his old age, that the impossible became possible already through God. Did Abraham rehearse that story so that when he went into another impossible situation, he remembered that God is worth trusting and that God can be trusted? Friend, have you done that? If you are feeling discouraged, if you are feeling like there is nowhere to go, if you just feel like you are trapped, have you gone back in your story to remember the places that God has been faithful to you again and again? and allow going backward in your story to give you the encouragement and the strength you need to persevere today. Finally, our faith in Christ's substitution is built on generations upon generations of God showing his faithfulness to us as his people. Our faith in Christ's sacrifice didn't just start with Christ. It started all the way back in Genesis. This has always been the story. This has always been the way, and we get to see it We are God's church. We are God's living building, his living sort of expression of what it looks like to be in Christ, that God who did not stay his hand, who did allow his one and only son to become a sacrifice for us so that we can be in communion with God. That is true for you today. It is as simple, my friends, as confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the one who can do what no one else can do. It's as simple as saying in your heart, I can't do it. I can't make my way to God on my own. I can't work my way to God. I can't be perfect. I can't get it all right. And I've done wrong. And I've done wrong time and time and again. And I've mistrusted God time and time and again. It's a confessing that to God and merely believing that Jesus is Lord, that God did raise him from the dead, that he did not hold back the sacrifice, but he also resurrected Jesus from the dead as our proof, living proof that we ourselves can have eternal life. And that prayer is simple. That's a prayer of commitment. That's a prayer of salvation. And it's as easy as bringing your heart to God and allowing God to enter your life, to bring the peace that you are seeking, to bring the joy that comes even when circumstances are difficult, to bring direction and purpose into your life. This is who God is. This is how much he loves you that he is actively continuing to work out his plan still today in 2022, still today in whatever place you find yourself today, that God is working out his plan in you and through you, that the blessing that he promised for Abraham is still promised 
for you today. You are that valuable to him. You are his treasure. Come to him. Allow him to meet you exactly where you are today. Friends, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we read these stories and they seem far away, but God, the idea of your faithfulness again and again in our own lives is not far away. Holy Spirit, would you bring to mind memories, moments, interactions where there was this intersection of your provision in our lives? Every single person who's listening right now, Lord. And would you allow that reminder to strengthen us today, to allow us to lift our head and lift our eyes, to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, that we might walk through this world knowing that you have given us purpose and that you have blessed our lives and that you are a God who provides. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, everyone. See you next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.